The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde Chapter 2 As they entered, the, entered, they saw Dorian Gray seated at piano, with his back to them, turning over the pages of a volume of Sharim's Forest Scenes. You must lend me these, Basil, he cried. I want to learn them. They are perfectly charming. That entirely depends on how you sit today, Dorian. Oh, I'm tired of sitting. I don't want a life-size portrait of myself. Aunt a lad swinging around in a musical stall with woeful, petulant manner. We caught sight of Lord Henry. A faint blush coloured his cheeks the moment he started up. Oh, I, I beg your pardon, Basil. But I didn't know you had anyone with you. This is Lord Henry Wanton, Dorian, an old Oxford friend of mine. I've been telling him of a couple, a couple of city you were. Now you spoiled everything. You have not spoiled my pleasure in meeting you, Mister Gray," said Lord Henry, stepping forward, extending his hand. My aunt, my aunt has often spoken to me about you. You're one of her favourites. I'm afraid one of my victims also. I am in Lady Agatha's black books at present, answered Dorian, with a funny look at penitence. I promised to go to a club in Whitechapel the last Tuesday, and I really forgot all about it. We were to have played a duet together. Three duets, I believe. I don't know what she's saying to me. I am far too frightened to call. I will make your peace with my, my aunt. She's quite devoted to you. I don't think it really matters about you're not being there. The audience probably thought it was a duet. And Aunt Agatha sits down to the piano. She makes enough noise for two people. That is very horrid to her, and not very nice to me, answered Dorian, laughing. Lord Henry looked at him. Yes, he was certainly wonderfully handsome. His finely curved scarlet lips, his frank blue eyes, his crisp gold hair. Something in his face that made one trust him at once. What kind of youth was there, as well as all youth's passionate purity. One felt he could kept himself unspotted from the world. No wonder Basil Portwood worshipped him. You're too charming to go in for philanthropy, Mr. Gray. Far too charming, said Lord Henry. Flung, Lord Henry flung himself down to the duvet and opened his cigarette case. The painter had been busy mixing his colours and getting his brushes ready. He was looking worried. When he heard Lord Henry's last remark, he glanced at him, hesitating a moment, and then said, Henry, I want to finish this picture today. Would you think it awfully rude of me if I asked you to go away? Henry smiled and looked at Dorian Gray. Am I to go, Mr. Gray? he asked. Oh, please don't, Lord Henry. I see that Basil is one of his sulky moves. I can't bury me sulks besides. I want to tell me why I should go not to go in for flampery. I don't know I don't know that I should tell you that, Mr Gray. It's a tedious a subject that one would have to talk seriously about. I certainly not shall not stop run away now you've asked me to stop. You don't really mind, Basil, do you? You often told me you liked your sisters to have someone to chat to. Hallward bit his lip. Dorian wishes it. Of course you may stay. Dorian's whims are laws to everyone, except himself. Only when he looked, took up his hat and gloves. You're very pressing, Basil. I am afraid I must go. I promise to meet a man at Orleans. Goodbye, Mr. Gray. Come and see me some afternoon in Chesnum Street. 
and nearly always at home at five o'clock. Write me when you're coming. I should be sorry to miss you. Basil cried Dorian Gray. If Lord Henry wants them goes, I shall go too. You have open lips while you're painting. It is horribly dull standing on the platform, trying to look pleasant. Ask him to say I insist upon it. Stay, Lord Henry. Say, Henry. Oblige Dorian and to oblige me, said Hallward, gazing intently at the picture. It's quite true, I never talk when I'm working. I never listen either. It must be dreadfully tedious, my unfortunate sitters. I beg you to stay. What about my man at the Orleans? The painter laughed. You don't think there will be any difficulty about that? Sit down again, Henry. Now, Dorian, get up on the platform and don't move about too much. Pay attention to what Lord Henry says. He's a very bad influence of you over all his friends and the single exception of myself. Dorian Gray stepped up to the dais with an air of young Greek martyr and made a little moo of discontent to Lord Henry, to whom he had rather taken a fancy. It sounded like Basil and made a delightful contrast. He, he had such a beautiful voice. For a moments he said to him, Have you really a very bad influence, Lord? Lord Henry, as bad as Basil says, there's no such thing as good influence, Mr. Gray. All influence is moral, immoral from a scientific point of view. Why? Because to influence a person is to give him one's own soul. He does not think his natural faults are burned with his natural passions. Virtue is not real to him. His sorrow sins, if there are such things as sins, are borrowed. It becomes an echo of some, one else's music and an act of part. Did not yet befriend him. Aim of life is self development. Realize one's future perfectly. It is not, and that is what each of us here for. People are afraid of themselves nowadays. They have forgotten the highest of all duties, the duty that one owes to one's self. Of course they are charitable. They feed the hungry and clothe the beggar. They their souls starve and naked. Courage has never gone out of our race. Perhaps we never really had it. Terror society, which is based, is basis of morals, the terror of God, which is secret religion. These are the two things that govern us, and yet, just turn your head a little more to the right or in like a good boy, said the painter, deep in his work unconscious, only that the look had come into the lad's face he'd never seen there before. And yet, continued Lord Henry, his low musical voice, the graceful wave of the hand, always so characteristic of him. That he had even in his eating days. I believe if one man were to live his life fully and completely, with a given form to every feeling, expression, every thought, reality, every dream, I believe that the world would gain such a fresh impulse of joy he would forget all the melodies, the melodism, the turnhelic ideal, to something finer, richer than her idyllic ideal. It may be, but the bravest man among us is afraid of himself. Mutilation savage has its tragic survival and its self-denial and mars our lives. We punish it for, for, for our refusals. Every impulse we stave, strive, save, to single bruise in the mind and poison us. A body sins once and has done for it, if its sin for action is mother for a vacation. Nothing means then but the recollection of pleasure, this luxury of regret. You only may get rid of temptations and yield to it. Resist it, your soul grows sick with longing for the things that it was forbidden to itself. Desire for what these monstrous laws have made monstrous and unlawful. It has been said that the great events of the world take place in the brain. 
is the brain at the brain and the brain only the great sins of the world take place also you mr grave yourself with your red rose youth and your red rose white blood have had passions that made you afraid thoughts of filled you with terror daydreams and sleeping dreams those mere memory with mere memory might strain your cheek with shame stop flattered dorian cray stop you bewilder me i don't know what to say there's no some answer to, to you but i'll not confine it don't speak let me think or rather let, let me try not to think for nearly ten minutes he stood there motionless with parted lips and eyes strangely bright and didn't be conscious and entirely fresh influence of a work within him yet they seemed to him have really come really with from himself the few words that basil friend had said to him words spoken by chance no doubt with willful paradox in them had touched some secret chord had never been touched before he felt now vibrating throbbing the curious pulses visits turned him like that music had troubled him many times but that, that music was not articulate it was not a new world or rather Never chaos that it created it created in us. Words were mere words. How terrible they were, how clear and vivid and cruel. One would not could not escape from them. Yet what a subtle magic there was in them. They seemed to be able to give a plastic form of formless things, to have a music of their own, as sweet as that of world or lute. Mere words was there anything so real as words? Yes, there had been things in his boyhood. He had not understood. He understood him now. Life suddenly become fairy, fairy coloured to him. It seemed to him he had been walking in fire. Why had he not known it? With a subtle smile, Lord Henry watched him. He knew the precise philological moment when to say nothing. He felt intensely interested. He was amazed at sudden impression that his words produced a memory of a book he had read when he was sixteen, a book which revealed to him much he had not known before. He wondered whether Dorian Gray passing through a similar experience. Had he merely shot an arrow in the air? Had it hit the mark? How fascinating the lad was. Howard painted away with a marvellous bold touch of his, and with a true refinement and perfect delicacy, the art of any rate comes only from strength. He was unconscious of the silence. But as I tried, as tired of standing, cried Dorian Gray, suddenly, I must go and sit in the garden. The air is stifling. The air is stifling. My dear fellow, I'm so sorry. When you're painting, don't think of anything else. You never sat better. You're perfectly still. I've caught the effect I wanted. Hard-parted lips and bright look in eyes. Don't know what Henry's been saying to you. It certainly made you had a most wonderful expression. I suppose he's been. I suppose he's been paying you with compliments. You couldn't mustn't believe a word like he says. You said not to pay, been paying me compliments. Perhaps that is the reason I don't believe anything you just told me. You know, you believe it all, said Lord Henry, looking at him with his dreamy, gruish eyes. I'll go out the garden with you. It's horribly hot in the studio, Basil. Let's have something ice to drink. Something strawberries in it. Certainly, Henry. Just touch the bell when Parker comes. I'll tell him what you want. I've got to go back to work up. Go, got to work up. His background, so I will join you later on. Don't keep Dorian too long. Never been a better form of painting I am today. It's going to be my masterpiece. It's a masterpiece as it stands. Henry went to the garden and found Lord Dorian Gray, burying his face in the book, drying cool, light blossoms, feverishly drinking in a perfume as if it had been wine. 
came close to him and put his hand over his shoulder, upon his shoulder. You're quite right to do that, he murmured. Nothing can cure the soul, the senses. Just as nothing can cure the senses but the soul. They started to drew back. They bareheaded. And Lee's had tossed his rebellious curls and tangled all their gilded threads. It was a look of fear in his eyes, such as a people had when they suddenly awakened. His fine chisel nozzle quivered, and some hidden nerves shook those scarlet lips. Left him trembling, yes, could you go in? It's one of the great secrets of life. Kill the soul by means of senses, senses by means of soul. You're a wonderful creation. You know more than you think you know, just as you know less than you want to know. Joanne Queen Bray frowned and turned his head away. He could not like help liking a tall, a tall, graceful young man who was standing by him. His romantic, overly coloured face, a worn expression interested him. There's something in his low, languid voice was absolutely fascinating. His cold, white, flower-like hands even had a curious charm. He moved as he spoke like music and seemed in a language of their own. He felt afraid of him, ashamed of being afraid. Why had he been left? Had he been left a stranger to reveal him to himself? He had known Basil Hallward for months, but a friendship between them had never altered him. Suddenly there had come someone across his life who seemed to have disclosed him in life's mystery, and yet there was there to be afraid of his, but not a schoolboy or your girl, a sir to be frightened. Let us sit, go and sit in the shade, said Lord Henry. Pugs will do out the drinks. If you stay any longer in this glare, you'll be quite spoiled and battle will never point at you again. You really must not allow yourself to become sunburnt. It most, it could, will be uncovered coming. Well, can it matter? cried Lord Grey. Laughing, he sat down and seat the end of Sir John. It should matter everything to you, Mr. Grey. Why? Because your most marvellous use of the youth, one thing worth having. Don't feel that, darling, Lord Henry. Now you feel it now, some day when you're old and wrinkled and ugly, and thought to seared your forehead with its faults and passion really branded your lips with hideous fires. You feel it will feel it terribly. And now where we go we shot the world. Will it always be so? You have a wonderful face with a face, Mr Grey. Don't found you have a beauty in the form of genius. High indeed in genius is need of no explanation. These are the great facts of the world, like sunlight, or springtime, or reflection of dark waters. Silver shell, we shall call the moon. We cannot be questioned. It is a divine right of sovereignty. I like make presences of those who make habit. You smile, ah, when you have lost it, you won't smile. People say something of beauty. Sometimes beauty is only superficial. That may be so, but at least it's not so official as it thought it, as thought it is. To me, beauty is a wonder of wonders. It's only shallow people who do not judge it by appearances. The true mystery of Lyle is visible, not the visible. Yes, Mr. Gray, God has been good to you, but what the gods give you, they quickly take away. You have only a few years of them that which to live really, perfectly and fully. When your youth goes, your beauty will go with it, and you will suddenly discover there no triumphs left for you. Or... Have to content yourself with them at those means. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Triumphs that your memory, the past, make more bitter than defeats. Every month as it wanes brings you nearer to something dreadful. Time is jealous of you. 
and wars against your lilies and your roses. You will come sallow and hollow cheeked and dull-eyed, your horror will suffer terribly. I realise your roof will have it you while you have it. Don't squander the gold of your days. It's in a tedious to the tedious trying to prove the helpless fail take giving away your life to the ignorant, the common, the vulgar, the stickly aims, false ideals of your lives. Live, live the wonderful life that it is in you. Let nothing be lost upon you. Be always searching for sensations. Be afraid of nothing. You hesitate. That is what your century wants. You must be its visible symbol. With your personality, there is nothing you could not do. Bell belongs to your season. The moment I met you, I saw that you were quite unconscious what you really are, or what you really might be. There is so much in you that charmed me. I felt I must tell you something about yourself. I thought you how tragic it would be. You were wasted, for there is such a little time where youth will last. Such a little time the common hail flowers wither, but they blossom again, Librarian. It'll be for yellow next June, as it now, as now in the month. It'll be purple stars of Cometus. Year after year, the green might it leaves will hold us of purple stars. But you never get back your youth. A pulse of joy that beats in us. A twenty becomes sluggish. Our limbs fail, our senses rot. We degenerate into hideous puppets haunted by the memory, passions of which we were too much afraid. We quitted temptations, but not the courage to yield youth. Youth has absolutely nothing in the world but youth. Dorian Gray listened, open-eyed and wondering. The spray of lilac fell from his hand upon the river. A furry bee came and buzzed around it for a moment, then began to scramble over the oval, stellate, the globe and tiny blossoms. He watched it with strange interest of trivial things, trying to develop in things, high import, make us afraid, or when we are stirred by new emotion, we cannot find expression when some thought that terrifies us lays some seed of our brain and causes us to yield. Time after you fled away, blew away your sights creeping, the stained trumpet of Trillian Comulus, a flower seemed to quiver and swayed suddenly, gently to and fro. Suddenly Peter appeared at the door of the studio and made a spirit of signs for them to come in. They turned at each other and smiled. I am waiting, he cried. Do come in, the light is perfect. You can bring your drinks. They rose up and sorted down the walks, walked together. Two green white butterflies fluttered past them. Pear tree at the corner of the garden. A fresh began to sing. You're glad you have met me, Mr. Gray, said Lord Henry, looking at him. Yes, I'm glad now. I wonder, shall we always be glad? Always, oh, what a dreadful word. It makes me shudder when I hear it. Women are so fond of using it. They spell every minute by trying to make it last forever. It's a meaningless word, too. Different to the caprice and long life. Long, long, lifelong passion the priest lasts a little longer. As he entered the studio, Dorian Ray put his hand Lord Henry's arm. In that case, let our friendship be caprice. He murmured, flushing his old boldness, and stepped up the platform and resumed his pose. Lord Henry flung himself into a large wicker armchair and watched him sweep and dash the brush as canvas made the only sound of bloke. Broke the stillness, except them now and then. Harvard stepped back to look at his work from a distance. Starting beings that steamed for the open doorway. The dust danced with it was golden. Heavy scent of roses seemed to brood over everything. 
After going up, called a man out, Holwood stopped painting, looked a long time at the going rain, and for a long time at a picture, biting the end of one of his huge brushes of frowning. It's quite finished, he cried at last. To me, Danny, what's his name? Long, varying letters on the left hand. Corner canvas, Lord Henry, came over and examined the picture. It's carefully, certainly work, wonderful work of art. Wonderful likeness as well. My dear fellow, I congratulate you most warmly. Said so his finest portrait of London Times. Pray come over and look at yourself. I started with a frame, awakened from some dream. It's finally finished, he murmured, stepping down to the platform. Quite finished, said the painter. You can set Belinda today. I am awfully obliged to you. It is entirely due to me, broke in Lord Henry. Isn't it, Mr. Gray? Dorian made no answer. But the past listlessly in front of his picture turned up towards it. He saw as he drew back, his cheeks flushed a moment of pleasure. A look of joy came into his eyes. He had not recognised himself for the first as if he had recognised it for, for the first time. He stood there motionless in wonder, dimly conscious of Hurwood, speaking to him, but not catching the meaning of his words. Since his own beauty came to him like the revelation. He never felt it before, but his whole words compliments that seemed to be, be merely charming exaggeration of friendship. He listened to them, laughed at them, forgotten them. They had not influenced his nature. And when when there came Lord Henry Walton with his strange pen and racket on youth, your terrible warning of its gravity. And he stirred him at time and now to the glazing out of the shadow of his own loveliness. The full reality of the scripture flashed across him. Yes, there would be been a bad day. His face would be wrinkled, risen, his eyes dim and colourless. The grace of his figure broken and deformed. Scarlet would pass away from his lips, gold silver in his hair, the life that weighed his soul and flowered his body. He could become dreadfully hideous and uncouth. He thought of it long pain. A pain struck through him like a knife, made a delicate fibre of his natural quiver. His eyes deepened in amethyst. Across there came a mist of tears, felt as if a hand of ice laid upon his heart. Do you like it? cried Lord Hogwood, said Lord Hogwood, last stung by a little, but I had silence, understanding what it meant. Of course he likes it, said Hogwood Henry. Who wouldn't like it? One of the greatest things in modern art. I'll give you anything you like. Ask for it. It must. Be, I must have it. Not my property, Mister Henry. Whose property is it? Dorian's, of course. Answered Painter. He's a lucky, very lucky fellow. How sad it is, murmured Lorraine Gray. His eyes still fixed upon his own portrait. How sad it is! I shall grow old and horrible, dreadful. But his picture will make me always young. Never be older than this particular day of June. Is only the other way. The only way. There were I was be always young. Picture was to grow old. That I'd give anything. Yes, there's nothing in the whole world I'd not give. I would give my soul for that. Would hardly care for such a arrangement, Basil, quoth Lord Henry, laughing. Be rather hard lines in your work. I should object very strongly, Harry, said Hallward. Dorian Gray turned and looked at him. I believe you would, Basil. You like your art better than your friends. I know more to you than a gold. Green bronze figure, hardly as much. I dare say the painter stared in amazement. With someone like Dorian to speak like that, that what had happened, he seemed quite angry. Face was flushed, his cheeks burning. Yes, he continued, I'm lesser to you, your ivy hemis, or your silver form. You'll like them always. How long will you like me? So I have my first wrinkle. I suppose I know now. I mean, one loses one's good looks. Whatever that may be, one loses everything. A picture taught me that, Lord Henry. Wanton is perfectly right. Youth is the only thing worth having. When I found out that I'm growing old, 
shall kill myself. Urban fell pale and called his friend. Dorian, Dorian, he cried. Don't talk like that. I never had such a friend as you. Shall never have such another. You're not jealous of me two things, are you? You are finer than any of them. I'm jealous of everything. Of everything whose beauty does not die. I'm jealous of portrait painting me. Why should I keep what I must not? I must lose. Every moment it passes, takes something from me, gives something to it. Oh, if only in other ways a picture could change, and I could be always what I am now. Why did you paint it? You'll mock me some day, mock me horribly. Hot tears welled in his eyes. You tore his hand away, and flinging himself on the divan, buried his face in the cushions, as though he was praying. This is your doing, Henry, said the painter bitterly. Only stroked his shoulders. Is the real growing grey? That is always not. It is not. What you have, what have I to, what have I to do with it? You show, should have gone away. I asked you, May muttered. I stay when you ask me, said Lord, said Lord. Henry's answer. Henry, I won't quarrel with my best two friends at once. But between you both, you have made me the finest piece of work I've ever made done. I destroy it. What is it, what is it but a colour versus a colour? Or not that let it come across of real eyes and mar him. Dorian Gray lifted his golden head and a pillow and with pallid face and tear-stained eyes looked at him as he walked over the deal painting table that set beneath the high curtain window. What was he doing there? Things are strange about anything. The little time tubes, dry brushes, seeking for something. Yes, it was a long pate knife, his thin blade of lofty steel. He had found it at last. He's going to rip out the canvas. But the side sub, he leaped from the couch, rushing towards Hobart, took the knife in his hand, flung it to the end of the studio. Don't batter, don't, he cried. It will be murder. I'm glad you appreciate my work at last, Dorian, said Peter coldly. Then he had a cover for his surprise. I never thought you would. Appreciate it? I'm in love with it, Basil. Part myself, I feel that. But as soon as you know you're dry, you should be vanished. Vanished and framed, sent home. And you could do what you like with yourself. He walked across the room and sang, rang the bell for tea. You had some tea, of course, Dorian? And so were you, Henry. Do you object to such simple pleasures? I adore simple pleasures, said Henry, Lord Henry. They have the last fifth of complex. I don't like scenes except on the stage. Well, sir, fellows, you are. Both of you, I wonder, who is the definite man or is rational animal? His most premature definition. Ever given a man many things. He's not rational. I'm glad he's not. At all, though, I wish you chaps... It could not scuffle over the picture. You are much better. Let me have it, Basil. They said he'd why he doesn't want it. I really do. You let have you let anyone have it but me, Basil? I shall never forgive you, cried Dorian Brain. And I won't and I don't allow people to call me silly boy. You know that picture's yours, Dorian. I give it to you before it existed. You know, been a little been a little silly, Mr Gray. You didn't really object to being reminded you were extremely young. I should have objected very strongly this morning, Lord Henry. I was warning you lived that once since then. Came a knock at the door and the butler entered, laden tea tray and sat it down at a small Japanese table. So rattled cups and saucers and hissing, the fluted Georgian urn. Two globe 
shaped china dishes were brought in by a page. Dorian Gray went over and poured out the tea. Two men started languidly to the table and examined what was under the covers. Let us go to the theatre tonight, said Lord Wimley. There sure ought to be something on somewhere. I promised to dine at White's, but only with an old friend so I could spend him, send him a wire to say a meal, or that I'm prevented from coming in consequence to subsequent arrangement. I think it'd be rather a nice excuse. It would all have all the surprise of candour. It's such a bore putting on one's dress clothes, but I would. And then one has them on. They're so horrid, yes, well, said the Lord Henry Dreamman. Costume in the nineteenth century is accessible. It's somber suppressing. Sin is the only real colour element left in modern life. You may you not see like thing like that things like that before the Dorian Henry. For all which Dorian, one that's pouring out the tea for us, one in picture, both neither. I should like to come to the theatre with you, Lord Henry, said the lad. And you should come. You'll come too, the Basil won't, don't you? I can't really, I would sooner but not. I have a lot of work to do. Well then, I will go alone, Moister Gray. I should like that awfully. Paid a bit his lip, and covered over, walked over cup in hand to the picture. To stay with a real Dorian, he said, sadly. It is all Dorian, quite the original portrait. Joining costume. I really like that. Yes, you're wonderful. Oh, I like that. Had a wonderful whistle. At least you like its appearance, you like it in appearance. And one of never alter. Sighed Howard. That is something. Well, our first big meet went about fidelity, saying Lord Henry. When and even in love, it's quite a pretty question for physiology. Nothing to do with young will. Young men want to be faithful, and not old men want to be faithless. Cannot, and will know what all one could say. Don't go to the theatre tonight, Dorian, said Howard. Stop and die with me. I can't better. Why? Because poor Lord Henry Walton to go with him. He won't like that better, you better than for keeping your promises. He always breaks his own. I beg you not to go, Lord Ren. Dorian Gray laughed and shook his head. I treat you. A lad hesitated and looked over at Lord Henry, who was watching them in the tea table. A new smile. I must go, better. He answered. Very well, said Hallward. Ran over to lay down his cup. The tray is rather late. As you have to dress, you better lose no time. Goodbye, Henry. Goodbye, Dorian. Come and see me soon. Come up. Come tomorrow, certainly. You'll not forget? No, of course not, cried Dorian. And Basil? Yes, Basil. Remember that what I asked you when we were in the garden this morning? I have not. I have forgotten it. I trust you. I wish I could trust myself, said Lord Henry, laughing. Come, Mr. Gray, my handsome is white side. I can drop you at my old place, own place. Goodbye, Basil. It's been a most interesting afternoon. Door closed behind him. The painter flung himself down on the sofa. And a look of pain came upon into his face.